0: to the Age of Plastic podcast, an environmental podcast that's just going, yeah, but what does sustainable mean? I'm Andrew Fox, your host still. Slightly different episode today because this is the live episode from Pebble Magazine's Future Fest, which happened last month, their online virtual festival. So if you missed out on a ticket, uh, this is my chat from the podcast stage with Sue Campbell from award-winning plastic-free, vegan and cruelty-free solid shampoo and conditioner brand kind to, and the founder of Bolt Beauty. which launched in 2020 Lisa Sexton they do amazing little pods that biodegrade that are made of seaweed that have got all your skincare needs in now we ask in this discussion what the future of sustainable beauty looks like a beauty version of fast fashion might be and the kind of contradictions within sustainability when it comes to our bathroom cabinets so obviously this was a live chat ignore any discussion of chat boxes because you're listening on your fave podcast app right now and stay tuned to the the end of the episode to find out about our final episode in this godforsaken year that is 2020. Hello and welcome back to the podcast stage.
1: Uh, In just a moment's time, we'll get started with the Age of Pastic podcast. Um, with Andrea Fox. Uh, in the meantime, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us for Future Fest this year uh, by Pebble magazine, which has been made possible by our sponsors who are Treedom, Karma, and Borough Wines. Uh, we're also partnering with a wonderful app called Geeky, which helps you understand, track, trace, and reduce your carbon footprints. So I'll pop a link to that app in the chat in case you want to check that out. But without much more further ado, I'm going to pass over to Andrea.
0: Hi, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi there. Uh, Welcome along to the first virtual Pebble magazine Future Fest. I am presenter and broadcaster Andrea Fox. I'm the host of the Age of Plastic podcast. I hope you've been enjoying all of the talks so far this weekend. I know I loved uh, Treedom yesterday. Lily Cole and Hubbub were some highlights for me. And I'm looking forward to hearing from some female founders a little bit later on from Borough Wine. So that'll be good. Um, We're recording live on the podcast stage now for the Age of Plastic podcast. It's going to be officially available to you exclusively as a download for the next two weeks. Feel free to say hi in the chat box. Um, And if you have any questions as well for my guests, uh, let us know in the Q&A box Um, now. this uh, lots of our discussion today is going to be around sustainable beauty, but I think a lot of the questions are going to be um, very prescient for all industries really and especially for anyone if you're thinking of founding your own sustainable business I think it's going to be really interesting so pop any Q&A's in the Q&A box now this festival is of course all about imagining what a carbon neutral world would look like from our homes our cities and our lives and in this podcast we're going to laser in on just one of those areas Um, it is the bathroom frankly it's the bathroom cabinet uh, that's what this talk's all going to be about uh, so what exactly is the future of sustainable beauty what are the contradictions around some of the issues when it comes to sustainability in our bathroom cabinet? and it's i'm a bit of a fan of uh, hashtag self-care and beauty so i wanted to get two brilliant podcast guests that i've spoken to before on the age of plastic podcast to join me on this panel they're both female founders they both switch careers into the crowded and competitive world of beauty and they both put sustainability at the heart of their brand uh, my first guest is sue campbell from the award-winning plastic-free vegan and cruelty-free solid shampoo and conditioner brand kind to who you may have seen in the ethical marketplace hi sue good morning Hello, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me. Um, also joining us is the founder of Bolt Beauty, who launched in March this year. Yeah, tough time. Um now, Bolt Beauty provides eco-friendly biodegradable seaweed capsules from everything from cleanser in them to moisturizer, and they've committed to be a carbon neutral company. Lisa Sexton from Bolt Beauty, thank you so much for joining me. Morning.
2: Hi, good morning.
0: <laughs> Lovely to see you both. Thank you so much for chatting to me. Let's get right into it then, because you've both founded these companies. And I remember yesterday, Georgina Wilson-Powell, she was talking about um, the decisions that you need to make when it comes to shopping. You can't get everything you want sometimes. Do I worry about food miles? Do I worry about it being covered in plastic? So what was the journey for both of you? Because I think you've you've kind of concentrated on slightly different things. I know, Sue, the plastic waste for you was a very personal story, wasn't it, with Kind two?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was living in Hong Kong and you go to the beach a lot more in Hong Kong than you have the opportunity to do here, certainly from London, Um, and seeing plastic in the water just literally everywhere, not just in Hong Kong but all over Asia, some of the most remote places we went to, it just really struck me how the scale of the problem is enormous and how it just didn't appear to be getting any better. And, in fact, I really just thought if we don't do something, and that's the collective we, it's going to get worse. And that then led me to think, well, who's we? Maybe that's me. (laughs) Maybe I should do something. Um, And it just set me off on a whole journey thinking about, you know, what could I personally do that would have more impact than just my own recycling? Yeah. I guess it's a, a longer story, but really that's, and even today, when I see plastic pollution and the beach are in, a wildlife area or anything like that I'm heartbroken yeah it is it's is heartbreaking
0: isn't it and Lisa over to you then Bolt beauty you've gone with carbon neutral but tell us a little bit about your journey there
2: yeah so I guess um my journey was a little bit different and mine started out more about um a personal need which was um quite selfishly how do I travel with great cosmetics and it's really hard because either you buy these, you know, beautiful jars of product, and you end up decanting, and you know, busy working women don't have time to do that, and hygienic. There's so many issues with it. Or I would find myself buying um, plastic minis from a brand that shall not be named, um, but are not even recyclable based on the uh, way that they make the uh, packaging. Um, and they're very expensive and I just kind of have enough. And so I figured that actually, could we create something that's really designed for women and how we live our lives, which I think is a lot of travel. Hopefully, well, m- not right now in 2020 has uh, been an interest. slightly less than normal, isn't it? A little bit. Oh, definitely. Or even just, you know, um, going to the gym and having your makeup routine and your cosmetics with you. Or I remember in my 20s it would be you know go and stay at my boyfriend's house and you'd suddenly have a giant you know he'd think goodness me is she moving in like what's going on it's like
0: a big <laughs> hockey bag that you've got to carry <laughs> around with you yeah yeah <laughs> um
2: and so my my journey was very much about how do I solve that problem and then as I was doing it um it was really important to me that we try and create as sustainable a product as possible and I mean, sort of, it, it's interesting how life does these, you know, full circles, the, um, the, the seaweed that we make our capsules from, I actually set up some of the first seaweed farms um, that, that uses this stuff, you know, 12 years ago when I lived in the Philippines, um, doing conservation work out there. And it's amazing now how we can use this material that I got to see, you know, firsthand how incredible it is um not just from a sustainability perspective but for me it's a lot around human rights and economic development and opportunity and what that does uh, for people and so I think it's sort of that side of things that's really um uh, sort of impacted a lot of our decisions as we've we've tried to create a sustainable brand
0: yeah both lovely stories there and I think let's get into some of the contradictions in beauty because I think and we've talked about this before, but um, you really want to have a product that works really well. And if it's sustainable, brilliant, because then even the people who don't care about sustainability, they're along for the ride without even realizing. But sometimes when it comes to beauty products, I have found that when you're looking for something in glass or you're looking for something that doesn't come in plastic and it's vegan or, you know, that it's ethically sourced, you can come across some products which just don't quite work as well. As um, some of the eco friendly materials. So there are some product limitations. This is the Age of Plastic podcast. It's not the We Hate Plastic podcast. Um, but there are some issues there, aren't there?
2: Definitely. And, and I think that, you know, the first thing for me is, you know, our mission is to create great products, first and mm. foremost, that really work. And if you're someone who hates the environment, hates the world, I want <laughs> you to want our products because they're so good and they're better than your alternative. It's pl- not. not buy them because they're eco, it's buy them in spite of that. Um, and then, so it's how do you then create something that you know really works? And actually the other part, and I don't know if Sue has experience on, in this, is how do you make it cost effective? Because yeah. it's also very expensive to create a product that's um, environmentally friendly. We are not as far ahead when it comes to technology, to testing, the, even the amount of materials available, more expensive. Um, And unfortunately, I don't think most consumers are willing to pay a large premium for an eco product either. So you then throw that in the mix and it's, you know, a, a whole other, you know, how do you how do you create something great? I mean, how did you find that,
1: Sue? Yeah, so it's interesting that um, you say about sort of, I guess, the sustainability message is sometimes that there has to be compromise. And I personally don't think there should be compromise. Um, And as a consumer, I don't want to buy products that aren't going to work. And I was never necessarily set on hair care per se. I just wanted to create something that actually could reduce the amount of plastic that was being produced and not recycled. And what led me to hair care was in fact reading huge amounts of, I guess, chat on various different zero waste groups about the fact that people were buying shampoo bars, so they had intention and motivation, but their experience of using them was really, really disappointing. Um, you know, I guess some of them were a lot more than just disappointing, but they basically just wasn't really the experience wasn't what they were used to. So then they were reverting and and so on. And I thought there's an opportunity here. If we can actually create a, a bar that mimics the experience people have maybe even produces a better experience than potentially some liquid shampoos, then it's not an uphill battle. You're saying to people, you don't have to compromise. Here is a product that actually delivers and it also saves the planet from plastic. It also saves you know, carbon because of it doesn't have water in it. Um, you know, it lasts longer. You know, there's a whole host of other reasons mm-hmm. and that's really what set me on the journey. And in fact, you write about the investment. I worked with a formulator to develop something. And my brief to her was pages and pages long about what it had to do, not had to do, you know, what it couldn't be in it, et cetera, et cetera. She said it was a very challenging brief.
0: Amazing. I love that. I've given a challenging brief to my developer. And one <laughs> other thing that Lisa just touched on as well there, and I know that you brought it up when we were speaking yesterday in the virtual pub, Sue. Um, Economies of scale. Like if you're a big producer you kind of get those benefits of economies of scale. And if you're thinking about being a sustainable brand, you probably, you don't want to have this exponential growth for growth's
1: sake, right? Yeah, and I actually think one of the challenges around that is about finding the right type of manufacturer who has not only the equipment to produce the type of product you want to produce, and that was a big challenge for me because most contract manufacturers in the UK, liquids in plastic bottles, that's what they do, (laughs) They don't do solid formulations. And secondly, you're also not able to buy the raw materials that you might want to buy in the quantities and at the right price. And, of course, all of that comes down to economics. But very big companies can buy some of these raw materials at much lower prices and produce on a larger scale. And I think what I was saying last night is that I guess our economy is set up for economies of scale you know it's one of those things you learn in economics it's high school isn't it so yeah, yes. um and that makes it tough as a, a small brand starting off because clearly you don't have a lot of people willing to buy your product you know the day you st- open the door you need to build up that and it's yeah it's a big challenge yeah
0: would you agree with that lisa have you found that in your supply chains
2: absolutely and i think that um for me one of the the sort of uh, most challenging things is, I mean, we do actually um, manufacture um, to a fair scale from, from day one. And that was because um, to, to create what I wanted to create, there just wasn't um, another option, basically. Um, but the thing that I found really difficult is around vetting raw material suppliers, yes. ensuring that you're getting the correct assurances from them how they're working their supply chains. And uh, we have about maybe just under 90 different uh, suppliers for, for, um, you know, across all the product range. Wow. And uh, just doing something like, are you cruelty free? You would not believe the amount of time and effort that we spend just verifying if they're cruelty free and actually, I spent my day yesterday going over our um, annual Leaping Bunny attestations where every supplier has to say, we are cruelty free, or we mm. do test on animals. And, you know, when I f- naively went into this, I thought, well, we've got the cosmetics regulation, we're all, they're all European suppliers, we're not, we're not going to animal test at all. This, this is easy. This is a box ticking exercise. I could not have been more wrong. um it really isn't the case you get these statements from suppliers saying things like um we uh we comply with the cosmetics regulation and the cosmetics regulation doesn't fully ban animal testing and actually we then had another supplier that sent me a statement yesterday saying oh we did a test on animals my heart stopped Mm. and i'm like Oh gosh okay it's a material we don't use but now they're on our you know we don't we did not use that material we now we've banned them as our list of suppliers generally and you're like how is this happening you know we're going through these things the fine tooth comb and have very little negotiating power mm. to say please don't do that mm. and you know if i was l'oreal or estee lauder and i turn around and say you know i don't care if you can test on animals under reach which is the chemicals regulation that permits that um, I don't think they'd do it. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, my buying power isn't enough. And actually it's it's just painful getting the information from them rather mm. than forcing positive change. Yeah.
0: Do you think that there needs to be a bit more... Um... A concentration on uh, the ethical supply chain when it comes to beauty. I'm thinking like, you, you've talked about some of your suppliers there. I think everyone will know about palm oil, about mica. I think Lush don't use mica, that glittery stuff, because it's very hard to guarantee that there's been no child labor involved. So mm-hmm. is this sort of the next thing the beauty industry really needs to crack down on to get to some kind of carbon neutral, really sustainable industry?
2: I mean, I think it's a, it's a really difficult question. And actually... And this is again sort of going back to my experience working with people in you know incredibly poor communities in southern Leyte in, in the philippines where you know fishing and we're talking fishing to feed family not even fishing to sell to get an income was you know the the, the standard and i i think that we have to be really careful against um you know, banning ingredients and going, we don't use X because it has negative associations in the supply chain. I think actually, what I really believe in is trying to use our voice. And, you know, I do believe social media is a leveling platform for people to say, you know what, this is what's happening, and it's not good enough. How can we enforce positive change by, you know, paying a fair price, by ensuring that we are, putting measures in to you know, prevent child labor and uh, poor working conditions, forcing pregnant women to go and you know, cultivate seaweed. And you know, th- there is limited success that you can have from day one, but I think the more that we talk about it and we, we, you know, we, everything we, we do will pay you know, the, the price to have the ethically sourced whatever it is. And we do you know, full modern slavery statements from all suppliers and we do as much vetting as we can do I honestly believe that my supply chain is completely free of any sort of human rights abuses? Probably not. And that's devastating to hear. Mm. Sadly, it's almost an impossible task. And I sort of think we're better off being honest about that, owning it and trying to push people to make positive change than sweeping it under the carpet or going, you know, I'm not going to use ingredient X because it has a negative connotation. Hmm. So I think if we do that, we're actually in quite a poor position where you're depriving people of potentially the only income that they might have and that, that chance of economic development.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a murky and difficult
1: world, isn't it? Sue, what are your, some of your thoughts on, thoughts yeah, on that? Th- I think, I mean, as a small producer, I agree about there's a balance of power that makes it really difficult for somebody. You know, if you start asking lots and lots of questions, you know, you're not always convinced that you have enough power to really get to the bottom of the answer. Um, you know, there are many layers within almost every supply chain. And you know, we worked really hard with our manufacturers to make it as transparent as possible, by also completely agree with Lisa could I put my hand on my heart and say that I know absolutely everything about every single ingredient from the moment it, it grows in the ground how it's processed and so on we've done as much as we can but we actually were to keep doing more yeah. as an industry and actually as consumers if we as consumers demand to have more transparency around you know ingredients the source of the ingredients and those types of things that actually puts pressure on you know product manufacturers and therefore, you know, I guess it's further down the supply chain um, that people actually want to know about that type of thing. Um, mm. But yeah, the voice that you have is kind to versus you know, L'Oreal. It's pretty different. If yeah. I'm not sure.
0: This Christmas, let's green the planet. Forget socks and instead give the greatest gift, a magical carbon trapping anti-climate change contraption. A tree! Treedom have spent the past 10 years working with NGOs and farmers in 17 countries, planting indigenous species of trees, creating jobs, as well as focusing on tackling issues from hunger to gender equality. So far, Treedom have planted over 1.4 million trees. That's a lot of carbon offsetting. Over 400 million tonnes, to be exact. Here's Treedom's CEO and founder, Federico Garcea. I'm so proud of what we do every morning. I wake up, I know that I'm going to work for a purpose. Right now, we have seen an amazing change. More and more consumers, they ask for green products. So it's something from the consumer. They are asking companies to be more sustainable. So if your workplace are planning to send out gifts to clients this year, or if you've got a fussy brother to buy for like me, consider gifting on their behalf with Treedom. From a lemon tree in Kenya to a coffee tree in Guatemala all from as little as 15 euro. You can personalise your gift and get virtual updates on your tree. Join me and green the planet this Christmas with Treedom. Head to treedom.net and use discount code ageofplastic20 at the checkout to get 20% off your trees before midnight on December 31st, 2020. Or follow the link in the show notes wherever you are listening. And a massive thank you to Treedom for not only sorting out my Christmas shopping this year, but also sponsoring this series of the Age of Plastic podcast. Uh, no, it's it's so interesting, isn't it? And, um, I, and I wonder as well about, uh, like the fashion industry seem to have really, they're really getting better at this. And we hear this phrase fast fashion. But I wonder what, when the beauty industry is going to kind of crack down on this more and give it the same sort of publicity that the fashion industry has. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking just before we came on, like, is there even a version of fast fashion when it comes to beauty? What do you both think about that?
1: yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> who would you say who who or what would you say is like the fashion fast fashion version oh, of beauty then, so. oh
1: I think it's um probably things like you know cheap makeup yeah you know. There is lots of cheap makeup available in the marketplace. Um, and it's the sort of thing that I guess because it's cheap, people probably buy it and see it as being really disposable. And yeah. then, you know, it just languishes in a drawer for years. Um, I'm often horrified if I, I see photographs of, um, you know, beauty influence with a, a bathroom cabinet full of, you know, 4,000 lipsticks. And I mean, how many faces do they have? Exactly. You know? <laughs> um, and I guess that's the whole thing about fast fashion, isn't it? It's, you know, it's kind of, it's very, you know, here now what's in fashion today type of thing um and I guess the same goes with makeup but then yeah, you know, i by less what... by
0: sustainable
1: is the yeah. true of every industry right yeah but then I'm looking at it from my own personal perspective you know I'm not a 15 year old girl who wants to try you know Halloween makeup um yeah. yeah so yeah that's what I think is probably uh lots of that's churned out it's all in plastic packaging it's exactly yeah got that probably isn't recycled
0: because we sort of forget about so much yeah. of it in our bathrooms don't we as we've heard yeah. so often lisa what about fast fashion and beauty for you
2: yeah really tricky i think i was thinking about this actually since we sort of had our um pre uh
0: actually
2: maybe for me it would be something like and i am guilty of this is plastic travel minis because they are the thing that, you know, I've had it before where I'm, well, not not now, but, you know, in, in a past life where you're travelling for work, you go, oh, bother, I've forgotten my shampoo or whatever. You go to the, um, you know, boots or whatever it is in the airport and you just dump them in your bag and it's you know like pick a mix I'm like I don't know it's bad it's bad but I can't exactly. help but go to the it's, I what else I'm gonna do And I've got to look professional when I get into the meeting and you know I can't go in with greasy hair or whatever it is this was before I met Sue as well I have to say but <laughs> you know, like I said in a in a past life um, this would be what I would do and you know I wonder if it's things like that where actually I, I do and I I see them as or used to see them before I sort of started bulk beauty and got into this as very disposable items I wouldn't even Mm. care if I would use it all Mm. it would be you know you spend 99p you've got a whole you know I don't know what it is maybe it's like 30 mil 50 mil of products that you maybe use for one or two days and I probably would leave it in the shower in the hotel and that's awful and I Mm. it's but it's a very easy uh pattern to get into it's super convenient and um I probably wasn't aware when I was doing this Mm -hmm. uh the problem with it and actually there's there's not you know up until very recently and by recently I mean you know the last maybe year or two years five you know maybe longer ago that there's not a good solution other than a plastic travel mini so maybe
0: that yeah. my one yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with my face wipes <laughs> which is okay. what i was saying before uh, thank you so much just a uh, reminder if you want to put any q questions in the q a box but um uh, wallace allen has said uh glad here i'm not the only one struggling to find good supplies of ingredients that meet ethics requirements see it's it's a tough one isn't it and um uh, thank you so much for that comment i do wonder about this uh, in terms of terms we've heard carbon neutral we've heard clean sustainable are these phrases um, that really consumers understand and I ask this quite often do you think they need some kind of legal standing and requirement behind them
2: I mean so I I a I I think consumers don't understand them they're Hmm. really difficult and I think brands do a poor job in explaining them and I think brands do that for two reasons. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think one, brands do a poor job because they're doing a poor job at it, and so you have to try and you know shoehorn whatever it is you actually do do into something that you know works in line with whatever marketing buzz state buzzword. Like work. the the dirty was it the dirty six, the dirty eleven, Sephora's mm. like
0: clean. Like what mm. is clean? What does that mean?
2: It's absolutely sweet nothing. <laughs> um, or, you know, um, we are, we have completely, um, eco products because they're all recyclable and yes. you're like, okay, but you know, a, the consumer has to know how to dismantle your like pump action bottle made of multi-components and you know, what's the recycling rate in there's so many, so many things that I think is, is quite negative. Mm. Um, and then but then when it comes to how you sort of how you describe it or, or whether it's regulated or something like that, I think I think that's incredibly difficult. And I'm a big fan. And, um, you know, I listened to to a podcast with Sue and I know that she's talking about being B Corp certified. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like really supportive of those types of, um, you know, wider you know, uh, certification bodies and um, and you know something actually we're we're looking at doing when we hit our 12 month mark because you sort of can't really apply before you you've you've got that um but I was I still wonder and I'd love to hear your thoughts Sue on on whether even um consumers understand something like B Corp because um Mm. it's sort of it's kind of I think in people's you know a certain (laughs) socio-demographic their consciousness but you know general population I'm a bit like I don't know if they even understand, you know, these well-known
1: ones. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they do, really, if you say the general population. Um, but I suppose I'm not entirely wanting to do those things just because I want to appeal to the general population. You know, mm. the whole idea of B Corp is, in my, from my perspective, it's a really rigorous process that you go through of self-evaluation to help you, you know, build a much more structured path to be, you know, a, a triple bottom line organisation. Um, and you know i have some insight into how complex it is you know i've done the initial assessment there's hundreds and hundreds of questions and then i've wow. helped another organization which is in the process of putting in their own application in a different industry and you know they were pretty sophisticated company very you know, much more established than me and it was challenging for them too um And I agree that things like clean, sustainable, eco-friendly are bandied around so much that they are quite subjective. But then I think the onus is on the brand to say, well, this is what we are doing to be sustainable. Because to be honest, I mean, no brand can ever be perfect on every front. There's compromises that you need to make. So you just say, Well, these are the the battles that I'm choosing. You know, I'm choosing maybe in my case it's a you know, packaging is a heavy part of it because that's part of what our value proposition is. Mm. But you know, all of the steps and then actually spelling it out, but also just not getting to the point where you say, Well, we've arrived. Well, you're never going to arrive. Mm. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. part of what B Corp is. It's about having some of those things to aspire to, to continue to evolve your brand and your business to have a bigger impact.
0: Yeah, and we're talking uh, the day after Joe Biden's become the president in the US, and I think a lot of people band around, well, we can get back to brunch now. And it's like, no, on all (laughs) social issues, it's a journey. Like you say, there's no end destination where you're like, done now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and you know like the carbon neutrality that that thing is a whole balance right that's why you chose not to go with
2: glass and went with plastic mm.
0: in some of your products right lisa
2: exactly i mean and for us and i'm aware this is a little uh, controversial for a sustainable brand but we um we do we use a ptg uh, jar with pp lids and uh is it the perfect solution no it's the perfect solution for now Um, these are designed to be used for life. And, uh, you know, we do uh, replenishment in uh, fully compostable bags. So we sort of see it as being, you know, for me, plastic is a great material. It's just human beings don't use it very well. And so it's more about, for me, how can we reduce the use of disposable plastic versus banning it completely so you know we do controversially use plastic we're working at the minute on ways that we can um, uh, look at other uh, ways of um creating our jars we're looking at post-consumer waste unfortunately it's hard to make sexy looking products because mm. of um technical constraints um, we're, and actually, sort of, a, as you mentioned, the, the reason we did that versus using glass jars, which I was actually pretty adamant on, we had um, prototypes all made in, in glass, was because we did um, a carbon impact assessment. So we're carbon neutral across our manufacture operations and distribution, which is uh, one of the most complicated things I have ever done in my life. Um, and it just by the time you add up the, uh, the, the manufacturing process, and actually the big thing for us was shipping, mm. that by the time you take the glass jar from the, the location mm. where it's made to dis- to filling, to fulfillment, to the end customer, I couldn't justify creating a glass product over a um, PTGPP product just because of that increased carbon footprint.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those contradictions, right? Really, isn't it? It's
2: very difficult though to say in a uh, Instagram, you know, 30 seconds to get your attention soundbite. Sometimes I wish I'd have, you know, not done this and been rather than be like, well, yeah, we do use plastic, but if you actually do your full impact assessment, <laughs> and it's not as bad as you think. Here's you know? my You're 10 right?
0: page assessment I'm going to email and put it on Instagram. <laughs> and
2: uh, why it's, you know, it's tough for consumers because then you say, you know, carbon neutral and they go, kind of know that's something to do with greenhouse gases and global warming, but I'm not sure what, and it, it's really difficult. Like yeah. it's, it's a tough topic.
0: So let's just touch on like the circular economy then in beauty. What does that look like? Does it look like all of us taking all of our plastic back to boots, or there being no plastic in boots? Does it look like loop? What do you guys think, Sue? What are, what are you thinking on circular economy and beauty?
1: I mean, I think there are some products um, where it actually really works to do refills and, and so forth, but then, you know, the hygiene thing is something that you need to be really conscious of in beauty products. Um, it's not something to be sort of dismissed as unimportant because actually that can have serious consequences. Um, and, yeah. You know, I guess it's hard to say that recycling in itself is not bad. It's just probably the way we manage it or don't manage it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I should throw in a stat. I mean, I think it's nine percent of plastic uh, mm. is recycled, and glass is still only fifty percent. So
2: I think it's thirty-three actually in the UK. Oh, is it in yeah. the UK? Yeah, we were looking at these stats for the day, but I mean different yeah different ways of calculating it, hey. So mm.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But there are some products that obviously require, you know, to be in a sealed unit in order to be effective because mm-hmm. of the, you can't have the risk of contamination. Um, I guess, you know, part of it really for me is about simplifying your routine to the point where you're using, buying only things that you use mm-hmm. and using all the things that you buy. Yes.
0: That's yeah, so- that's the most sustainable yeah. way, right? Yeah such a yeah Um I wanted to just uh do what we always do on the Age of Plastic podcast for everyone listening we always ask guests two questions and I know you've both answered this because I've spoken <laughs> to you both on the podcast before uh, so do go and check that out if you want to hear from Sue and Lisa a little bit more but um, it um plastic is a good item we're just using it incorrectly and we don't think about its end life cycle how amazing if every plastic item was made 100% from recycled plastic Um so your both of you your fave plastic item please some plastic in your life that you go Thank the Lord for plastic. Um, uh, so
2: go ahead, Lisa. Mine, sorry. <laughs> mine, I can't remember what I said last time, but um, so I don't know if I'm being consistent or not, but mine is probably sunscreen. I just think, you know, as a sort of beauty junkie, um, it's so important to wear a sunscreen please do it it's so good for, you know if you're vain do it because you're vain if if you're doing it for health reasons it's just it's so important to to look after yeah. yourself and sadly it's um i have never come across a decent sunscreen that is not housed in plastic although hopefully we'll be launching one next year if we can uh get all our regulatory approvals uh Done. Um, that would be
0: amazing. Yeah, it's one of those things that I still allow myself in plastic because I just think again, like all of the yep. health things to do with plastic that we've had with COVID this year. The plastic in health, yeah, exactly. It's the yes. trade off I'm willing to do. Um, Sue, what about you? Your favorite plastic item?
1: I, I was thinking, oh, what did I say last time? And I thought, oh, I think I said my contact lenses. But of course, <laughs> um, during lockdown, I'm wearing them today. But I haven't worn them very much. Been wearing my glasses. So, so then I was thinking, you know, what's really important to me at the moment is actually my computer. Because mm. of lockdown and feeling a lot more isolated and, of course, you know, running an online business, that you know, if I didn't have that piece of equipment, I basically could barely function. I'm not talking to my friends. I'm not, well, I wouldn't be interacting with both of you um, yeah, and I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to run my business. Yeah. It's, it's essential and, in, and probably even more so at the moment because you feel like you're sort of trapped in your house with this portal to the outside world, and that's what this is. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing,
0: both excellent ones. And also, we always ask our guests their environmental hero. So,
2: uh, Lisa, your environmental hero, please. I'm pretty sure I said this last time, but Anote Tong, president of Kiribati, one of my absolute heroes. Um, he campaigns rigorously for his people. And I just think, I mean, I could, I'm. <sighs> You know I think everyone probably listening to this is is in a real position of of privilege, and you know could not imagine losing our homes. could not imagine losing our homes because of rising sea levels. Mm. And I think that, that so often we we forget that actually there are people out there that are going to lose their nation. You know th- think of the trauma over Brexit and you know people's strong feelings around that. Forget if the u k was being wiped off the map completely mm-hmm. um, so uh, anote Tong um I think has done just the most remarkable work for raising awareness of his people and you know the difficulties they go through and i i I really hope that the world can can cooperate so that we don't lose or they don't lose their country
0: yeah no that's a, that's a really amazing one uh, Sue as well, your
1: environmental hero, please. Yeah, so one of your former guests um, and a bit closer to home. So Ella Daish, you know, I think it's really interesting. You know, all of us feel a bit frustrated that what can we do as an individual? And what she has done through her activism is actually get companies to change things, big, powerful companies that resisted um, and if, I guess if you haven't listened to her podcast episode with um, yes, Andrea you should um, but she's managed to convince Sainsbury's Aldi Superdrug to remove plastic tampon applicators I mean, that's awesome
0: it's amazing that's impact and you know she she honestly did it by she was a post woman and she just kept seeing all this litter and she was thinking about plastic they use for literally seconds and she was like that's that's a real easy one she was just that is what she's dedicated to. Now do go and have a look at the links in the chat box. If you want to subscribe to the age of plastic podcast, you can go back and listen uh, to that episode. And if you've enjoyed this chat about beauty coming up in this series that we're in at the the minute of uh, age plastic podcast, you can find out how to have a sustainable trip to the hairdressers as well. um, Because I am chatting to Fry Taylor from the green salon collective very soon on the podcast. Uh, Thank you to Lindsay as well in the chat notes saying uh, Ella's one of our our local heroes here. Yes. She's brilliant. (laughs) here in Cardiff I think she's actually just moved to my old ends uh, she's in Brighton now so there you go I'm gonna <laughs> her now um thank you so much for joining me on this panel chat here on the Age of Plastic podcast Lisa Sexton and Sue Campbell thank you so much
1: thank you thank
0: you thank you thank you so much everyone who tuned in I hope you really enjoyed that I've really enjoyed chatting uh, to my guests today and talking about sustainability and i hope you enjoy the rest of the sessions today i think i'm definitely going to get in on the uh female wine producers a little bit later on for wines yeah hey maybe, there. Maybe there with something stronger than water yes. <laughs> awesome thanks so much everyone cheers on your next episode of the Age of Plastic Podcast, the final roundup of this series with some exclusive snippets of the chats that we've had throughout the series that I just couldn't get into the episodes. Plus, here from our sponsor, Treedom's Founder. And I've got some sustainable Christmas gift ideas for you and what to expect in the next series. But until then, good luck avoiding Amazon
2: with your Christmas shopping.